Well, hello, listeners and podcast subscribers. I have a distinct pleasure and honor today of interviewing one of my uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Brother Bruce Betts, who I like to call the sweet psalmist of Hattiesburg. Uh, I wanted to, as our format is, to do something called Let's Play 20 Questions. And what we're going to talk about today is the issue of race and the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. So, Brother Bruce, I'm so thankful you made time for me for this. This was the one interview that when I started praying about this and starting to work on this that I wanted to do, but I want to give the audience an understanding of what led me to approach you as one of my friends and someone who I serve uh, medically and, and otherwise just in friendship. Um, I want to explain how I came to you with this issue. So several months ago, as, as we all know, uh, with the killing of George Floyd by the police department in Minneapolis, uh, I had a lot of of anger about the way that that our government, our police, were being talked about. And one pastor uh, who I interviewed last week, Brother Scott Borland, and then Brother Bruce, both posted things at different times that stopped me in my tracks. And I stopped, and I sent Brother Bruce uh, sent you a message, and I said, Brother Bruce, I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to let people talk about this that know something. I'm not going to say any more about the Black Lives Matter movement or systemic racism, I'm going to let you say what needs to be said because you're one who knows firsthand the experience of being a black man, a black pastor in a church in an inner city southern town. And we're going to talk today about being a a, a black man in the South and having church members who share experiences with you. And I've tried to learn from you. uh, For those of you listening, Brother Bruce and I had a a good hour-long conversation and I shed more than a tear or two talking to him about learning. Uh, so I want him to introduce himself. So, Brother Bruce, uh, tell us about your family and how you came to the Lord and the ministry. Well, uh, thank you for having me, uh, Doc, and um, I appreciate uh, this opportunity to share uh, my experiences uh, with you uh, on this program. Well, I'm a preacher's kid. Born and raised in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and born in the 60s. Um, my uh, father uh, was a pastor. Uh, he pastored a couple of churches uh, uh, here in the area, one here in Hattiesburg and one in McGee, Mississippi, I believe. And that's where I first heard about heard the gospel and, and um, you know, saw how a godly man should live and should conduct himself. So, you know, had that experience, but I, I didn't have Jesus Christ as my Savior. It wasn't until I was 36 years old that I surrendered my life to Him. Um, uh, but uh, before then, it was uh, my life was pretty chaotic. I was a drug dealer here in Hattiesburg. I, I, I did some prison time for the drugs. Um, uh, just a lot of things that happened. I wanted to get away from um, what uh, my dad had shown me as, you know, how to live a Christian life and how to um, uh, pastor uh, inner-city people, something that I did not want for myself. And I knew at age 16 that the Lord was calling me into the preaching ministry. So I did everything in my power to make sure that he couldn't use me. Um, Sound like Jonah. 
Yeah, just just being worldly, doing what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. And um, over the course of time, there was a lot of mistakes I made, a lot of things. You know, when you're a sinner, that's what you do. You make mistakes. Yes. A lot of people look and say, well, well, you know, you're not qualified to do this. You're not qualified to do that. But, you know, if you're not, if you're lost, you're lost. You don't know that what what God has in store for you in the future. So you're just living your life as, as sinners would. And, you know, when, when you come to yourself and, and, and ask Jesus Christ into your heart, and then now you willingly and submissively want to follow his leadership and he leads you into the preaching ministry. And, you know, it raises a lot of eyebrows with a lot of people that, well, you know, you know, you, 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 you've done this, you've done that. And, uh, uh, it's my understanding that, uh, you, you, you've been married before, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. You're lost. Lost, lost people do lost things. So when I become saved, the Lord, you know, he forgave me and for my sins and he put me on this path that I am on now. And, and it's been the best decision that I've made in my life. Um, and it's been very rewarding. The Lord has afforded me the opportunity to preach, uh, in a lot of churches, a lot of opportunity to preach at, uh, the ABA National meeting in 2018 about the mission mission message and um just a lot of things that has transpired uh our church i'm pastoring that Lovell's missionary baptist church we're in a massive building project that we have been the past 11 years we're almost finished with that uh, we're building it debt free as the lord provides and uh, it's been quite a journey it, it, yes it really has it really has to come off of the street and then go right into ministry and then go into a building project. It's just been, it's, it's, it's really been mind boggling, but the Lord, uh, has really uh, kept me. He has really, um, shown me, um, love and shown me how to love and how to uh, do what he has called me to do. I've seen the inside of your building, brother Bruce. Do you ever, with this 11 years, do you ever feel like Noah? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I I I feel that well quite a bit. You know, sometimes you you preach and you preach and you preach, and and um, the people that you know need the Lord won't even acknowledge uh, that the Lord is 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 who He is. Uh, it's kind of it, it, it hurts. And to the it building really though, do you ever you ever sympathize with his hundred and twenty years that he spent building that boat? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to get to. You know, you're, you're preaching and and God's got you building this humongous building, and you're saying to yourself, "I said, you know, I don't, Lord, I I don't see anybody coming, but the Lord knows best." And uh, and I believe just before um, uh, He comes home, come to come to bring us home, that He's going to uh, fill the place up. Yes. With His with His people. Tell us about your family, and I, I want them to the audience to hear about your daughter that recently uh, had a had a diagnosis that maybe will help people understand about something besides our main thrust today. Yes, yes. Um, I have five children. Um, my oldest daughter Ashley. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. She uh, contracted the virus, the uh, the COVID nineteen virus. Um, she lost her taste, her smell, had fever, uh, body aches, you know, all of the symptoms that they say 
uh, that you have with the COVID-19. And it just it really kind of shook my tree because, you know, you've been preaching faith and preaching to leave. Uh, that the Lord will see you through, and then it happens in your family. And uh, and and also, I need to mention that she had pneumonia. Um, she had she was very had very uh, difficult time breathing, and the conversations with her on the phone were just heartbreaking. Mm. Uh, she couldn't catch her breath, and, and she was trying to explain to me, Dad, you know, I I, I don't know what to do, and uh, I just started talking to her about her soul and her relationship with the Lord and and uh, how the Bible teaches to be absent from the body means to be present mm. with the Lord. You know, that's, a, that's a conversation that you're having with one of your children that you want to see grow old and have grandchildren and watch them grow. And now you're talking to her about uh, at 34 years old uh, leaving this world. Mm. And uh, it just was a sobering time for me. Um, I also uh, need to mention that uh, my my oldest son, uh, Bruce Jr., he had uh, the virus as well. Um, his symptoms were, were pretty much the same, but he got over it kind of quick. Um, he didn't have it that long, uh, but his taste, it took a while for his taste and the smell to come back, and it eventually came back. Uh, but my daughter, she she stayed down for, oh, I know, a month. And uh, all of a sudden, just as fast as it came, it left. And uh, and I spoke with her a few days ago, and she's doing great. She's back at work and she's, uh, getting the kids ready for school and hmm. there in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And it's just uh, like it has never happened. But she did tell me, she said, Dad, that it was a frightening time. It made me look in myself to see if I'm ready to leave here. And that's one of the things that you really want to hear from your children. You want to hear that they, they, they've gotten a relationship with the Lord. And my son, I, I mentioned earlier, he had the, the, the same virus. And he, he called me. He said, Dad, he said, I need to be saved. Hmm. I said, I said, well, what, what, what's the, I said, what brought that on? He said, I can't live like I'm living out here in this world and not having what you call blessed assurance. And uh, I said, yeah, I mean, it was one of the most proudest times in my life. Uh, well, wow. he, 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 he said, I want, to do, I want to be saved. And then shortly after, he was diagnosed with the uh, COVID-19. So, um, and I gave him the same advice. But uh, he, he's, he's, he's younger, he's a lot stronger, and he, you know, in good shape. And of course, you know, we know we found that doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in. If, if, if uh, COVID nineteen wants you, COVID will get you. Oh yeah, so. it does help to be healthy. But I'll tell you, it doesn't. You, it you can does. get sick and be uh, be six feet tall and bulletproof. Um, so, how about your wife? Tell us a little bit about her. Yes, my wife Jackie. She's a beautiful lady. She's a beautiful spirit. You no, know, she. Um, I, I was thinking about. Um, when I first uh, got into the ministry and first surrendered my life to the Lord and all that, I called and I was at work late, late one night, on Saturday night, actually it was early Sunday, one Sunday morning, and I called. 
And right after I had just gotten on my knees and uh, had Christ into my heart, and I was um, there at a factory, I got on the phone and I went to the phone and I called my wife and I said, Jack, that um, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I just got saved. She she said in her sleepy voice, she said, that's good, baby. I said, yeah, when you get home, I'm going back to sleep. But she's been a jewel to me. She's been a blessing uh, to me um, throughout my ministry. You know, when first started out, you know, I was trying to go to seminary. And uh, couldn't work and, and be full-time student. She worked for us, took care of things. She took care of the household. and She just really did a whole lot to help me to get where I am today as far as in my ministry and trying to uh, um, better myself in the Word. And she's one of, one of my biggest uh, supporters. Hmm. And, uh, and I remember... Uh, when I first uh, decided to to uh, go into uh, pastoring, I, the Lord laid it on my heart to start this work. And I was talking to her about it, and she looked at me, and she said, I love the fact that you're saved. Well, she was saved before I was. She said, but this pastoring stuff, I don't know about that. Mm. I said, that's a whole other animal, isn't it? And I said, oh, yeah, you, <laughs> you wouldn't believe. And I said, you need to talk with my mother about it because she was the pastor's wife and my mother helped her in that transition. And, uh, and every day it's been, it's been, been sweet and sweet every day. We, we, we're, we're, we're doing well, but the church loves her, respects her. And, and uh, they, the ladies of the church call on and talk with her about um, issues that they may have. And she's a real help to me in the ministry. And, uh, the brother Bruce, you, uh, how many years have you been in the ministry now? This is my 18th year. And then you and she have been married now for how long? Um, 20, 20 years. 20 years. And are you guys empty nesters now? Yes, sir. We got, uh, uh, a couple of beautiful grandchildren that we're helping to raise, mm. uh, as, and I tell you, tell you uh, something about that, brother. That's been a blessing to me. Um, even though the situation that we had to get the children were, were uh, pretty pretty sad, but the blessing to have the little little one running around the house and 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 kind of having another shot at raising them, raising a yes. child. It's been a blessing to me. Um, I, I care more now, I'm more attentive than I was when the other kids because I was lost when I had my children. And I was in the street, and uh, I really didn't have the time and opportunity that I have now with this baby that we have, Miss Brindley Grace, and she's just been a blessing to me. And she'll come up and hug you and tell you she loves you. And man, it makes it all worthwhile. Yes, sir. You know? I look back on we have a very stable family, and I was my, I was saved at seven. My wife was saved at at nine or ten years old, and and we had a Christian marriage, and all our kids were saved by the time they were nine. and And I'm thankful for all that. But I look back on myself when I was working too hard, 
and when I was so busy. Mm-hmm. And I think, Lord, how did I miss some of those years? I can't even remember. And I look forward, and I, I'm asking you, has has God restored to you the years that the locusts have eaten in some ways with these children and things he's given you? Because I look forward to being a better man and a better grandfather than some ways I was a father. Right, right, right. That's that's what happens. You know, you, you look at this, 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 this beautiful child that comes in the world in some pretty um, uh, challenging circumstances and then, you, you know, and it's put in your in your lap on what are you gonna do? You're gonna let the child um, come up in a an environment or in a place where uh they don't know their family or you're gonna just step up and be uh, a grandparent that cares enough about your grandchildren to assume raising another child for for the rest so for you know, until they get grown. That's that that is uh, and being an empty nester, and then all of a sudden you got another twenty years you got to mm. do <laughs> yes. with with children. It, it you know it kind of, but you know it's a good decision. I, I look back on it. Uh, first, I was kind of uh, you know I, I I I made the excuse of being busy, uh, and same excuse I used to make when I had my children, and I just yes. decided I said no, I'm not busy. Not, not too busy to make sure that this child knows Christ. So that's that's the that's that's the, that's the family. What do you say? Uh, I have two patients today that I discussed the the risk of COVID in little children that grandparents are raising. The kids need to go to school. The family can't homeschool them, but the grandparents are raising the child. Just this is not on our list of questions. But what do you say to to grandparents that are raising their grandkids just by way of encouragement? During during this this um, pandemic, just generally, or that, just, both, all of it. Know? Well, well, I I applaud a grandparent that that, that does that. Um, um, there's there's two sides of that coin. One is the need to do it because uh, the breakdown, the failure of the family. Mm. Um, you have to. Uh, you can't let the next generation after your children follow the pattern that the, the, where they your children got off the trail. Uh, you have a responsibility to make sure that your grandchildren know Jesus and yes. make sure that they have an opportunity uh, to uh, get to know him early in life. And on the other side of that coin is um, sometimes grandparents meddle and get into situations where they feel like they can do a better job and it's not a very strenuous situation, but they just want the grandkids. And okay. You know, you have that element as well. And uh, and I, I really don't think that uh, um, they should do that um, because what happens is the children start to disrespect their parents. And, and they don't really adhere to their parents like they should because grandparents are interfering uh, with the raising of the child. And, the way I've always done before we uh, had to get uh, Brindley Grace is that, um, you know, my my old, oldest daughter, she has three children, and, and they call and say, Papa, we need this, or we want to do this, and we want to do that. And Mom says, we can. I support my daughter. And I said, well, Mom say you can't. Papa can't do it. That's right. Um, but... Uh, 
you know, we, we're living in a different culture now where grandparents would say, well, you just come on over here with me. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure you have all this and that and other. And that breaks down the family so bad until where um, when the kids start to get up some size, they're, you know, they're not paying any attention to their parents at all. I think that, that poses other problems. But, yes, uh, um, I see a lot in the inner city. Um, grandparents just, you know, kids really never leave home. Um, and they raise and they start having babies and the grandparents raise that second generation. And, and no one ever really progresses. Um, because the family structure has broken down uh, to the point of where nobody knows who's in charge. I've never and, heard anybody uh, address it like you just did, though, Brother Bruce. You said the family that breaks down maybe because of, of sin or worldliness, but then you can also break the family down where that's not present just by getting out of line and, and trying to take the parent's job. And I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. So what? tell us what it's like to work in ministry in downtown Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's challenging, but it's rewarding, um, especially for me, because I was born and raised here. And all of the simple things that I've done, I've done publicly where everybody knew knew me and know, know who I am. Uh, so, you know, the scripture says, uh, you know, no prophet has... Uh, Prophet hath not, not without honor except in his own country and among they of his own house. I quote it every week to somebody. Right. Right. And, you know, and, and that's, that's true. Uh, it is. I've, I've, I've gotten people, um, I deal with people all the time that's got other people in their ears saying, well, how in the world are you going to listen to him? He, you know, he's a drug dealer. He's this. He's this and he's that. And it's a struggle. Uh, Sometimes to to minister to people um, on any level or whatever situation they may be in, talk with them, and then you have a family member or a friend or something that's talking against you because of your past. Yes. Um, but I tell you what, the more, uh, and I believe this is, this 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 is something that I I've just recently um, come to the conclusion. The reason the Lord is building the church the way he's doing it, you know, during his time, it's a proven ground for me. Hmm. You know, you have to, people are just waiting, just watching to see if I'm going to stick with it. It's it's taken 11 years to get where we are. Um, You know, I see people all the time when I'm down there, people stop in, man, I just can't wait to get in this church. I'm coming. We're going to do this. That's, that's, what I hear a lot, and they mean that. They mean that uh, um, um, because they they're just wondering if I'm going to quit, right? Or is this just a phase or something that I'm just doing? And also in the pandemic, since the pandemic been uh, been going on, I've been having the opportunity to preach online. Um, okay, a lot of people now that attend other churches that have taken the opportunity to come over to hear the word are hearing the word and are responding in such a way that um, um, it's just it's like, you know, you, you say to these people, well, I'm not your pastor. Well, the way, yes, you are. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I listen to you every Sunday now. Um, it's, it's God's hand in it. God is doing it. And it, it, and it 
And it had to have been done this way in order for the people that I was sinful with to understand that there's a, a profound change in my yes. life. You can talk about I'm being saved all day, but the proof is in the pudding. Yes, sir. It's in the living. And if it had been you know, done in a year or two years, they might have thought, well, yeah, sure, anybody could, you know, have a success like that. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And then they'll say, well, you know, uh, uh, you, you built it with drug money. That's why, it's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's up so fast. You got this. I mean, I hear it all. My goodness. But the way the Lord is doing it, I've stopped, I've stopped pressuring God about time. And start and start absorbing what was going on around me, and the Lord was showing me that in order for you to speak for me in this city, you got to prove that you are of me. Well said. And so being sticking with the ministry is, is 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 the proving ground. Yeah. So, what's the greatest opportunity you think you have in your ministry right now? And I'll I'll put a sub question is. With that, is what one thing could occur that you stress in your ministry, in the families that you serve in your field, that would radically change the life of the couples and the children and the next generation, and just put all that into your greatest opportunity in that setting? Well, my greatest opportunity now, uh, right now in, in Hattiesburg, is to... Um, just it's just what I just stated the, the opportunity to share God's word uh, uh, via uh, Facebook or um, any other medium because uh, I'm seeing a profound change uh, in people about their opinions of me and, and also their need uh, for truth um there are people that that uh, have come up to me and 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 with tears in their eyes and said, "What you spoke uh, for your Bible study really changed my life." Uh, I had to remember what it was that I preached right. about, and they bring it up and talk about it. And and I'm saying to myself, that's something that I just say all the time, and something that I preach to my church all the time. But these are people that have never heard me um, preach God's word. So um, the opportunity that I have right now is to really get a base, a stronger base for the inhabitation of the building. Um, you know, we have about 100 members, and we probably got 50 of those that are faithful and, and 20 of those that are just super. Mm-hmm. And that's that's usually the breakdown in most churches. Um, but uh, I've 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 had a, quite a few people, and I'm I'm talking about respect, respectable people in the community that are saved that really are starting to follow the ministry. And I asked God this, um, Doc. I said, you know, the church it is it, the vision that the Lord gave me for Logos is a Multicultural church. I don't say multiracial because there's only one race of human yep. race. I'd like to see multicultural people. This is what the Lord has laid on my heart, and 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 I reach out to all people. There are Mexicans that's working on the building that 
that uh, that we talk about the Lord all the time. You know, most of them are Catholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talked with them about the Lord, and we was putting me in the baptismal pool one time, and and uh, one of them said, uh, um, uh, what is that for? I said that uh, baptismal pool is an outward expression of what has happened on the inside of a person when they're changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, he, you know, he was like, you know, he's just looking at me and he said, you know, in his way, he explained it to me. So now I'm sharing the gospel with a person that speaks very little English. And he's comprehending what I'm saying. Because mm-hmm. he so sees a physical now, manifestation of it. I see it. I see the physical manifestation of that. And then the vision of the church to have uh, multicultural people in um, and I'm in contact with that all the time. And I've been asked, um, Brother Bruce, how, what do you think about uh, how, how can we reach other ethnicities and other cultures? You know, they have to see it in the leadership. They have to see that diversity. People are comfortable seeing somebody that looks like them in the leadership of the mm-hmm. church. They'll stay. They, 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 they'll, they'll come and visit and say, well, man, that word was good. I liked it, but I didn't see anything that, that uh, I could hold on to as far as believing that they believe that we all are here uh, um, worshiping God together. And that's, that's been my advice to, to a lot of pastors that are really wanting to reach out to everybody. It's, it has to be re- reflected in um, the leadership. Yeah, to, to answer your question, um, the, the effects to, for the uh, couples and the next generation is that, you know, we, we'll have a place here in Hattiesburg that where a person won't have to wonder if they're accepted. They won't have to. Uh, the unique thing that Logos has that a lot of churches don't have, they have to, to stamp out certain things to change, um, uh, to teach certain things to change um, uh, the mindset of the people so they can accept any and everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, with with me, that that's not a that's not a that's not a um, um, uh, issue with me because we're, we're starting it that way. Yes. So when you start something that way, it's better. You, you can better serve people uh, um, like that. You don't have to go back and retrack and redo and and, and all of that. Unteach I'm, I'm them. Yes. I'm, yeah. Unteach them. And with that, we end segment one with Pastor Bruce Betts. On racism and the kingdom. In the era of Noah, we know that with you a day is just like a thousand years. So does that mean for every sin you cry a thousand?